Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, ahead of the NFL, or recapping the NFL Divisional Round and ahead of the Conference Championships. I'm Tom, as always, and, of course, my right-hand man, the Tony Pollard to my Ezekiel Elliott, Sam Long. Oh, don't, don't do yourself dirty like that, Tom. <laughs> How are you doing, Sam? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Deflated but good. Deflated it's the but first good. Time, it's the first time I've looked at the Giants Eagles score since since Saturday night. Oh, ouch! <laughs> Tough one to take. Uh, but hey, what are you gonna do? World keeps spinning. World does keep spinning, and we keep chaining out below par content. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, yes, as alluded to, the divisional round is in the books. We have our four conference championship contenders ahead of maybe the best time for regular NFL fans because I feel like the conference championships usually deliver a hell of a lot better for bet like better games. Feels like teams are playing with slightly less weight on their shoulders than the big one, of course. Um, which really Super Bowls are they? Are they actually good games for the most part? Not, I mean, not really. Like I guess because there's so much weight to it. Like they tend to be a bit of a letdown in my opinion. But I don't know. I mean, the spectacle and everything kind of makes up for it. But yeah, this seems to be the sweet spot where. Enough teams have have left that there aren't usually any like hangers on that aren't, you know. There's no considered. pretenders by this point. Everybody no. is a um, is a full blown Super Bowl contender. Um, yeah, and the the um, matchups themselves reflect. Yeah, it, um, and it's nice for the <laughs> it's nice to the for the Giants to be grouped in the same. Uh, <laughs> The same like class as the Buffalo Bills in that respect. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, both both just pretenders. Let's not think any more deeply about it. Okay, um, we'll start <laughs> then with the divisional round because you've got to look back before turning attention forward. Um, we'll just do these in order like we did last week. And to be fair, I think the best game of the weekend in general for overall competitive spirit for for stakes. And for important news, as the Kansas City Chiefs book their place to, well, try and reclaim the Lamar Hunt Trophy, um, they were twenty-seven to twenty winners over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had been on a ridiculous tear as of late, but sadly just couldn't get it done uh, at Arrowhead. Um, Big news about this one, of course, is Patrick Mahomes got sort of rolled up on in midway through the second quarter. Uh, he has a high ankle sprain, which most human beings would be looking at a fairly decent amount of time on the shelf with a high ankle sprain. But Patrick Mahomes is a sort of alien monster from Rigel 7, and as a result is just going to play apparently and he came out and i mean he was clearly hindered because he was hobbling around on basically one leg for an entire second half 
didn't change the outcome of the game, though. Um, just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. The Chiefs book their place then in the conference championship. And we do bid goodbye to the Jags. Um, thoughts? I'm sure this will like, stick to the ribs of the Jags a bit. But that it does, and that realistically they did have like real chances in this game to kind of keep it very, very level. It's it's testament to kind of uh, what this team can be and what uh, what Trevor Lawrence can do when he's surrounded by you know coaches that care and like half decent skill players. Yeah, I mean, the I assume we'll talk about uh, Mahomes' ankle a bit uh, longer. So, for the Jags, there were some... The thing that sticks in my mind most are some costly... There was a... There was like a... It must have been a 50 or 60-yard throw to Christian Kirk. It got dropped. Um, oh yeah, um, where Chris Collinsworth started blaming Trevor Lawrence for a very well thrown ball. Uh, I have some yeah, it was a notable dime. points about Chris Collinsworth in this game, but I'll yeah. let you carry on first. Um, but yeah, and then like after after that, I think Lawrence went to him like another three or four times, and all of them like never never got there. Um, but what was the the Jamal Agnew fumble? That was it. That is, I mean, God, I feel so bad for him because he just never really, he just doesn't, he never pulls it in. Like he never has a proper handle on it, and he'd had some, he'd had like some good returns. He'd had a a good game up until then. Um, but if that goes the other way then I think that would have made it... I think that would have pulled them within a field goal. Um, and, you know, that's a game you can win. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it it sucks. But they, you know, I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this team doesn't have the quality that Kansas City has. In terms of personnel guys that can, like, take control of a game, even if they're, like, for example, hopping around on one foot. And it, it shows. But it's, it's sad to see them go. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'll definitely agree with agree with that. Uh, it is a bit of a shame to see them go. I know that Max would actually disagree a little bit on that one. I think he <laughs> I think he was getting a little bit sick of the, uh, of the Jags by the end. But, I mean, when a team is this plucky... And they they come off of maybe one of the worst seasons that I've seen um, from just an overall standpoint, playing, yeah. uh, coaching. And coming off sorts. such a bad start to the season. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. They um, were, were they like two and six? Yeah, I think so. Um, so to yeah, see them not only in the playoffs, but then winning a playoff game and and getting through to the divisional round and, and taking the Chiefs right to the end of the game. Like, that's that's progress that's happened in the space of one year um, yeah. that I think I didn't really see coming. Uh, so, good on the good on the Jags. And um, hopefully, 
they can continue to build because it's it's always nice having better teams in the NFL than horrible dirges to watch every week for eighteen weeks. Well, no, well, yeah. Um, um, so it's it's nice to have this version of the Jags with us. Exactly. Um, but, but yeah, um, like the Chiefs, the yeah, they just kind of kind of kind of rolled. I loved the, the fucking like ninety-eight yard like Chad Henny drive. Yeah, like they could. They could so easily, like, um, have just been like, yep, Chad's in. Give Isaiah Pacheco the ball and tell him to never let go. Well, to be <laughs> fair, like... they kind of did that. I mean, Henny went 5 of 7 with 23, uh, 23 passes and, a, uh, sorry, 23 yards and a touchdown. Um, it was largely Isaiah Pacheco, who, by the way, was absolutely well... rolling in this game. Um, but. Even still, hey, it's nice to have a five, guy that's a backup. that he might not have got. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that it was a very solid drive for a backup. Um, one player that I want to particularly highlight is a record-breaking Travis Kelsey Day. 14 Ooh. catches. It's the most catches by a tight end in playoff game history. Um and it's actually just one shy of the record for any player, not just tight end. So, oh, wow. um, that's outrageously good. Quite a funny stat line, though. Uh, 98 yards on 14 catches for two and touchdowns. <laughs> it's uh, You sort of expect 14 catches to net you over 100 yards, but it um, mm. ended well, up working out quite nicely. I had a, I had a friend who, who missed out on um, on a little prop bet, and it was... Travis Kelsey over two touchdowns and over a hundred and twenty-five yards, oh. and as every catch kept, well, he didn't put the bet on, but he was every single catch that Kelsey made, it was like a dagger in the in the heart, <laughs> and in the end, he ends up finally getting the sort of result that he needs, which is that Kelsey doesn't pass one hundred and twenty-five yards, so it was a smart decision to not put that bet on, but two touchdowns very early doors. Uh, put him in bad mm-hmm. stead. So, um, congratulations there uh, to my amigo. Yeah. But um, I mean, how? Like, I know, like every single time, uh, a, a, like probably especially a quarterback, like gets injured. Like all, like coaches and like the people around them say they're like. He's he's just different, man. He's built different. He's, he's such a great healer. Oh, the great um, healer is like one of my uh, least favorite cliches that's going around at the moment. Because I mean, I understand like, with Mahomes because he like when he dislocated his knee, he healed up way too quickly. Like for a, a guy that yeah. dislocated his kneecap, I, I, was that twenty nineteen season or um, twenty eighteen? But um, he did it against the Broncos, and. Yeah. Yeah, he was back on the field within like four weeks, and and yeah, that that is outrageously good healing. And you see, you see quite a lot of like NFL players come back from big injuries way too quickly. Um, well, that's exactly that's the thing. Like a high ankle sprain, playing playing on that with a, a week, like is that worth? 
like I, I know it's kind of a a, a catch twenty two, because like if you are just like okay, we we have to sit him, like we don't want to like mess with anything, like we don't want to endanger like a a like worse injury or like the sprain getting worse somehow. Well, if you've know. got a if you've got a shit ton of money tied up in him for what six yeah. more years at this point like you you kind of don't want to put your franchise quarterback in yeah. danger of serious damage because that's kind of yeah. what the uh the former well the team now known as the washington commanders did with rg3 remember yeah um but like if you like i understand why they would want to like i mean obviously like anyone would understand why they would want to play him if like they could get like a yes from someone like anyone they just find any doctor in america that's like yeah sure he could play because if you throw chad henny in against cincinnati not for not just for a drive i goddamn game you'll get eaten alive yeah and you know i just i feel like it's if he plays at all in the championship game it's just going to be horrible to watch well it could be but then again like he still played pretty well in the game against jacksonville i know what you're saying um well, no, but, even if he does play well, like, watching him kind of, you know, hopping about, managing to make plays on one leg, which is ridiculous, but watching him, like, pull up at the end of a play and being like, oh, God, like, is it worse? Is he, like, hurt more? Like, imagine an entire four quarters of that. Yeah, good point. Um, all right, I'm going to say we, we cast it over because um, we still got another three games. And then we got some other bits to cover, and yeah. I could see a breakdown of uh, the New York Football Giants this season coming uh, that will last twenty five minutes from the Giants fans. So uh, we're going to go <laughs> straight there. Philadelphia Eagles booked their place in the NFC Championship game, thirty eight to seven. This game was over by halftime, twenty eight nothing at the break, and yeah, just. It was not. It was not competitive viewing, unfortunately. Uh, the Giants had sort of had faith coming into Week 18, or sorry, following Week 18, where they took the Eagles into a really close game with all of their backups. Um, but this is a different monster Eagles team. They got back healthy. They got back rested, and um, well, you saw what happened. It just. It just was a blowout. Yeah. The. This was this was a reality check that like it would have come at some point. Um it kinda hurts a bit more that it was the Eagles, but like the the Giants have, have made massive improvements. Like this year with like you know, coaching and roster and like the they have a lot there that they can build on. But they are so far removed from this, like, 
from the elite of this league. And you kind of... You have to keep that in mind. Like... I I was I was very hopeful going into this game because like what the fuck else are you gonna do? But there was such a, a there was such a difference just in in the talent on both sides of the ball, in the execution. It it was a bit well, not a bit. It was painful, <laughs> like. This was one of the this was one of the most comprehensive like playoff games. Certainly the most comprehensive like divisional round game I think I've seen. Obviously I've not been watching football for very long, so that might not be that grand a statement. It it was it was tough. And this kind of like reminded me that like I think the last few weeks when I've started to doubt the Eagles a bit with like Jalen Hurt's shoulder and stuff, that was me like buying into my own like fantasies of like the giants actually beating them this is this is still like the team in the nfc like obviously like the niners are right there but they they just operate at such a high level in everything they do like it's like in this game like they started off throwing the ball like they started off with those like it was exactly like the, the week fourteen game. It like these like dimes over the top, Devon Smith, and like they got this massive lead, and then they just ran ran the Giants into the ground. And it, they they have so much talent, and they're so well coached that that could probably be the script for like any team here. And yeah, it it was it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't think there's anything else that you could really say about it. It just was. It was a curb stamping. Um, and for this to happen in the divisional round, I mean, fair play to the Giants for beating the Vikings and for getting here. They they thoroughly deserved it off of the back of great coaching, but great mm. coaching can only get you so far. And sometimes when a team is also well-coached, but they're just loaded from top to bottom with just outrageously good talent, and they're playing to those strengths, there's nothing that you can do. Um, Yeah, you can can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it complete 30-yard passes (laughs) over the top of an elite secondary. Yeah. Um, The Giants then will face like a, a... a potentially difficult um, moment, uh, a potentially difficult decision. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, this like whole like getting Shane and and Dable in, it's a massive like turning point for the franchise. But like times coming up, Aikon coming up, those like the kind of contracts that if they do give them. Like that, these players get, they will kind of, in a way, dictate how this franchise is viewed and how they have to like go forward with it. Yeah, which I'm sure we can like get into the the Danny Dimes wheel of value 
in the off season, but you know, he's 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 had uh, the best season of of his career. Whether that should stop them, like if they wanted to, you know, draft a guy, I don't know. But I I I think there's more than enough like evidence that he can do enough for this team to get signed at a reasonable price. Yes, yeah. it just depends on what that price is. And also, just pay Saquon. Like, he's one of very few people that like have always wanted to be <laughs> in New York. Like, I, I don't care. Like, overpay for him a bit. Like, do, do what you got to do. Okay. Um. All right then. Let's go on then to the AFC Championships other team, where the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be making the trip to Arrowhead. No neutral venue game. And that is because they blew the brakes off the Buffalo Bills. 27-10. And, uh, well, if you watched the opening five minutes of this game, <laughs> it told the picture of the remaining 55 minutes of play. Because <laughs> the Bills couldn't stop Cincinnati on offense, and they couldn't move the ball against the Cincinnati defense. And uh, I don't know if anybody remembers back to like the beginning of the Week 17 game that ended up getting abandoned. Um, thankfully, DeMar Hamlin is okay. Um, oh, yeah, he was at the game. He was at the game. That is brilliant news. Um, but in that Week 17 game, the Bengals were up 7-3, and they were driving again. And I, I tell you what, if you go back and watch those opening like drive and a half that the Bengals put together on offense... It told the exact same story. I don't know what it is about how these two teams match up, but the Cincinnati Bengals do not struggle against the Buffalo Bills. And this game was snowy as fuck. You'd think <laughs> that would probably end up helping out the Bills a little bit because they're more used to the, the torrents now. It just helped the Bengals. Josh Allen looked a little frazzled. Um, the running game didn't get going for Buffalo. And the Bengals just marched up and down the field all game long. Joe Burrow, 23 of 36, 242 yards and two touchdowns. Just a composed display. Um, I believe he actually went 9 of 9 through his first nine pass attempts. Um, Eased off a slight bit more as they were able to lean on the running game a bit more. But he gave them a great framework. And you get this impression that... The Bengals weren't ready last year. They didn't have the O-line to, to cope. And I know that they had a lot of backups playing in this one, but the additional experience as well of playing behind, like, Lyle Collins and, and Jonah Williams, but with, like, more game time and what have you, you get the impression that this Bengals O-line, with this Bengals offense and this Bengals coaching staff that's learned and developed as they've gone along, you get the impression that it's going to take an outrageously good performance to stop them. It's not like in the Super Bowl against the Rams last year where the Rams were basically destined. They, they'd assembled all of this high-end talent and they finally had a quarterback and they were going to win it all. This Bengals team is like, right, we know how we've messed up last year. We've already got the experience of being in a Super Bowl. We're just going to go out and execute. And boy, howdy, did they put the bills to the sword. Oh, boy. I would not like to be the Chiefs, who were 0-3 against the Bengals, including two games at Arrowhead. Do not like the look of that at all. Uh, 
if I was if I was the Chiefs, I'd be a little worried. I'd be really oh, concerned. Yeah. I'd be I'd be quaking in my little cowboy boots. This was I I feel like this was like this game to the Bengals was kind of what like the the Giants game was to the Eagles. Like this was this was a statement of intent. It was like everything was executed so well. And like coming into this, I thought like I think a lot of people thought the the Bengals were were like favourites here. But like conditions, like the run game having been asleep for the last month, five weeks, the the O line having some new guys in, I really thought it was kind of a a recipe for a a Bills win, but they they just performed everything so well. Like the I I think it was more the run game that I was like I was impressed with. Because obviously, you know, a big part of that is the O line that's had these kind of you know guys come in to a you know obviously last year historically bad offensive line um and i just didn't really trust it but like joe mixon ran it up the gut this game so well (laughs) like they they set him up amazingly and they kind of just did what they want like even when you can manage to get a few stops on the offense like i think they were on two of the touchdown drives they had like third and ten that they just like ticked off like it was it was anything like it was a a, you know first and ten they like everything is so composed and cool and it was it was great the defense was ridiculous luan rumo is a genius it's this feels like the the best team in the AFC again. Like it's amazing to think that like for so long this year that wasn't the case. Yeah, they sort of leaped right to the top of the of the whole AFC. It's like, especially, I mean, I, there's just something about like Joe Burrow when it gets cold. You see, you see like a, a lot of historically good quarterbacks seem to seem to mm. almost fall away as it gets into winter but then they turn it back on in the playoffs feels like joe burrow gets stronger as the season goes along and i don't know if that's just because like i mean he's only really in his second season he basically didn't have a rookie season because of that horrible yeah, knee yeah. injury that he had so it, it's basically like he's in a second season but for a guy that i he's 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 still performing at such a high level and I don't know if you could attribute his slow start this year to um, him having appendicitis before the season started and having surgery like two weeks before the year yeah um, like he didn't seem it's... himself for the first three like three or four weeks really um, yeah, had that one game where he yeah. threw like four picks against Pittsburgh and but then, <laughs> but then literally ever since like week four or five he's just turned it on in, in style um, they've only really had a couple like stinkers really on 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 offense, and yeah. and now they're they're at like peak power. It feels like yeah. 
And when the when the defense sets them up this well this consistently, like the I feel like when I think of this is going somewhere. When I think of Josh Allen, I think of like either like absolute, you know, seventy air yard bombs that like no one else in the league can make. And I think of like ridiculous like the tightest of window throws like over on like out routes that he just somehow manages to find and they like the the secondary for for the Bengals made so many plays like there were some great swatted balls and like the the interception was great it like they they kept winning up front and like putting pressure on him to where he has to make these tight window throws, maybe when he would have like waited for it to develop or something. I don't know, but it it was it was just a clinic both sides, and yeah, the the Bills have some some soul searching to do. I think yeah, because um... this was this was rough. Like Dorsey out. Dorsey out. Interesting. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I say we we move on. Cover off this final game, which uh, we should be able to do fairly quickly. Um, because what else is there to say other than how about them cowboys? Yeah. 12 19 losers. Uh this is the only team that I'm going to actively put the spotlight on them losing the game. Um <laughs> and that is because they did lose. It wasn't that the other team beat them um in in sort of emphatic or in in statement like fashion. Now, the San Francisco 49ers basically attempted to lay down and give the Cowboys an opportunity to win. They put up 19 points, 10 of those in the fourth quarter. And what the Dallas Cowboys did is they flubbed, they fumbled, they foibled, they fondled, and they fucking blew it! They, 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 (laughs) I have not seen a truly monumentous collapse from a team with this much promise in the playoffs since... The Dallas Cowboys threw it away against the 49ers last season in the wildcard round. They are a team of jokers. They are a team of (laughs) bottle jobs. And any karma that Jerry Jones faces from now until the end of his uh, weird, tainted life uh, is deserved for being a, a horrible racist. Because the Cowboys... Not getting to an an NFC Championship game for longer than Jalen Hurts has been alive is really funny. Um, they haven't been to the <laughs> NFC Championship game since 1996. Jalen Hurts was born 1998, if I'm not mistaken, which means that he was born, raised, went to uh, went to Alabama, <laughs> went to uh, Oklahoma. I might have got that the wrong way around. I might I think I think I've got that the right way around. <laughs> Um, got drafted and got to the NFC Championship game all in the amount of time that it took Jerry Jones's damn Cowboys, America's team, 
to get to the NFC Championship game. And you know what's funny? Is that the final play of both of their last two attempts in the playoffs against the 49ers <laughs> has been an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. Fire, um, fire uh, Mike McCarthy. It is, an, <laughs> it is an outrage that he still has a job after the capitulation last season in exactly the same way they did it again. Except yeah. this time it was because they tried the most ludicrous play design I've ever seen. I, so I okay. have it I have it noted here. Zeke lined up as center, which means that once he snapped the ball, he wouldn't be able to receive the ball. He would yeah. be an, illeg- uh, an ineligible one. They would have to pitch it back to him. So first of all, bad. Second of all, he is, what, <laughs> 210 pounds? Which means that the D lineman of the 49ers could do exactly what they did, which was bull rush him as soon as the ball is snapped. Really fucking funny. Um, so anyway, Zeke lines up as the center. Tony Pollard is in the backfield because, you know, why not? Like, if you're going to make a really weird play design, weird formation, just, yeah, make sure that the two players in the backfield are lined up as normal as possible. Uh, Dak Prescott is in the shotgun. Then what happens is they have three O-linemen to the right-hand side. Um, instead of lining them up in a normal formation, they line them up out, out on the right, uh, with C.D. Lamb playing in the slot on the inside. Then they had uh, two O-linemen to the left, along with two other wide receivers that I've forgotten the names of. Uh, not important. Um, instead of any of those five O-linemen being the makeshift single center and having like Zeke line up out wide or something. I don't know if this is an illegal formation, but what the Cowboys did certainly felt illegal uh, because it was bad. (laughs) Dak then doesn't have time to throw the ball because the 49ers are immediately bull rushing Ezekiel Elliott and uh, they have three rushes to the Cowboys. One O-lineman, which is not an O-lineman. Dak completes a short pass the Niners tackle him immediately in bounds, and the game is over. How do they do it, Sam? How do they do okay. this every year? They are a joke organisation. Yeah, this is it, it is it is a joke. Um, I like I'm not the the greatest football mind in the world. What was the intention with this play? How was this meant to go like when when Mike was like drawing this up on a napkin? What was meant to happen here? Well, I think it looked ridiculous. I think that if I was to try and make sense of it, I think that what might have potentially happened is like CD Lamb was meant to or Tony Pollard was meant to swing out to the side with three O linemen, or CD Lamb was meant to sort of hang back and the three O linemen run up the field, Dak gets a throw off quickly, or maybe he throws to the left-hand side um, and throws it to one of the two two wide receivers with two O-linemen in front, or Tony Pollard, or whatever. There's potentially four blockers at any of these plays, um, and then they can either run behind the O-linemen and try and gain extra yardage because, like, O-linemen blocking defensive backs maybe doesn't work, um, or they pitch it to players like Zeke or C.D. Lamb or I think one of the wide receivers on the left was uh, uh, Jalen Talbot. Like 
any of those guys could have potentially been able to receive the pitch. But what actually happens, because there isn't a centre, because the centre is Ezekiel Elliott, who isn't a centre and can't block like an <laughs> O-lineman, is that the play is blown up before Dak can even can like consider either of the options maybe it was originally like he'd read it to the left and if people went out to the left he'd he'd throw he'd come back and throw it to the right um and pollard would go whichever way had whichever one was the weak side that might have been the the play that was drawn up but when the play drawn up is so unlikely to work Having Dak Prescott read something on the fly after looking that scrambled all game because he threw two bad interceptions uh, and is prone to basically looking like the rich Kirk Cousins in a playoff game. Um, Essentially, what happens is the worst play in NFL history. I think this eclipsed the the Colts play against the Patriots, the one that should have never been allowed to actually happen because they weren't meant to snap the ball. You know the one that's ridiculous, like three, uh, five or four O linemen on the right. Pat McAfee lines up behind the O lineman because it's meant to be a punt, and then they're basically just trying to draw the Patriots offside. But then the center snaps the ball into the like the up man's hands and the up man ends up getting hit immediately you know that really infamous play this is worse because this one was designed to be snapped this one was meant to go into the hands of the quarterback and they were meant to do a thing and what actually happened is ludicrous complete and utter failure (laughs) I'm, i'm agreeing with pat mcafee i'm replacing that with the worst play in NFL history. Would you care to agree with me, Sam? Because I I um, don't see how anything could be worse than this. I would. I'll like I don't again, the emphasis here is on the Cowboys losing this game. And I would there's a few things I want to get to. Just before we like kibosh it completely because it's very fun talking about the Cowboys losing, but we should probably talk about the winner at some point. Yes. But like this for better or for worse, this will be like thought of as a Dak Prescott game, where he was the shortcoming here, and I think that's like I think that's mostly true. To be honest, like I think Mike McCarthy is very bad <laughs> at his job, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, and it's so. It's so frustrating when he has such moments of like genuine gleaming like kind of elite level play. And he does. And it's stupid to think that he doesn't. But some of the decision making from Dak and just like trying to force throws like there was there was a play in the one of the inceptions. Second quarter, like um when I think it was when Tony Pollard went down, um, they were like in the red zone. They were on like a second and two or three, um, and like this is a tie game at this point. I think it was six six, and there was like less than two minutes left in the first half. It was the it was the Warner interception, um, where Jimmy Ward like tips it to him, and he like tries to jam this pass into C.D. Lamb that is ridiculous. Like, it is incredibly poor decision-making. 
I think it was like exemplary of like the rest of the game, like entirely. <laughs> if you took both quarterbacks in this game, I'm not saying Purdy had a great game, he didn't. But if you took each quarterback in this game, put them in like a green man morph suit, though you couldn't see their faces or their jerseys, and said to people like, pick the rookie, pick the rookie and pick the eight-year vet. They're not going to think Dak Prescott's an eight-year vet. Like, that kind of decision-making is just... It, it removes everything. It, it kind of takes pretty much everything else out of question. Far some bad play calling. I don't yeah. know. It's just frustrating. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, on the Niners' side, uh, it was it was a, a good all-round performance. It um, was good? The Cowboys are a good defence, which I think makes, makes it the issue. Um... Because it was difficult for the Niners to move the ball for oh, yeah. large parts of this game. Um, but they were also getting the ball in good field position yeah. because of a combination of Brett Maher and Dak Prescott. <laughs> uh, it was quite funny, by the way, Dak, uh, Brett Maher missing the extra points. But the fact as well that it it wasn't just that it was blocked, but then the announcers pointed out that it was going about five yards left anyway. Like, <laughs> Paul Brett Maher must have been, like, the most watched kicker in, well, years in the NFL. How, how that possibly could have gone any worse for him? Um, I'm glad that and he was able to turn to it look, around yeah. by kicking two field goals that were good but yeah ouch having to like look over to the other sideline and see robbie gould <laughs> yeah yeah who like the most automatic guy in the playoffs every year that's that's got to sing a bit yeah it really does like the the 49ers just made they made these plays where they had to like yeah, they they made the necessary play at the necessary time they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter when the Cowboys were um, looking to get an actual lead, they could have done so. Um, and a touchdown in the in the fourth really took that yeah. opportunity away from them and they yeah. made them actually work for it. Um, but yeah, okay. So the Forty Nine ers Before we get on to every, everything, by the way, very quickly. Where, in terms of QBs in this league, where would you rank Dak? Um, like well, I think area. I have a feeling like we might do like a quarterback ranking Ooh. thing at some point Ooh. in in the future. Just peeling back the curtain because I I think that this just part in the kimono. Yeah, I feel like we could we could definitely make something in the in the off season. Oh, that's, stick that's content, that. maybe it's content. Um, and I'd quite like to get everybody's sort of viewpoints on it. Um, but if I was to sort of have to pick anything... Just like a range. Just a, a range. Yeah. Uh, it's between like 18 and 14. What? Oh, okay. I thought 18 was the high. <laughs> no, no, no. Like 18 and 14. Like 18 is the low, 14 is the high. He's so middle ground. But like... 
the only reason as to why he's a middle ground guy is he'll he'll have these ridiculous highs and then he'll have ridiculous yeah. lows and I, you don't really know where he'll be but he's I can't well, within good like, faith put him in the top 10 but I, I can't would, put him I any would, lower than 18 either I would put him at like you know 10, 11, 12 somewhere in that range yeah that's which, fair but the like that being fair and looking at this game is astonishing. It's it, it's completely ridiculous. Well, and that's why I say that he's in the world. But this is why I say that he's like Kirk Cousins, though, because he he quite literally will have, and Kirk Cousins yeah. is the same. Neither of them he's have just, got a clutched just... bone in their body. They are streaky, <laughs> very good quarterbacks. They're very good at making accurate throws. But if you ask them to do one thing positive in a in a clutch game winning drive in a moment where the whole league is looking at them it's like their brains shut down it's like they go into like some form of nuclear meltdown and the only option to get out of it is to either run away <laughs> or throw like check downs or throw a, a 40 yard arm punt there's no there's no there's no element of clutch in there Quarterbacks are, yeah. are assessed by how they handle pressure situations, and Dak Prescott and and Kirk Cousins are both equally in one in the same in that they're both terrible at it. Um, um, I mean this completely sincerely. I I enjoy that we managed to get a jab in at Kirk Cousins. <laughs> well, we had to, didn't we? That's the hallmark of this podcast. In it ways. is. I think that the only reason as to why we still make this podcast is so that we can just talk shit about each other's teams in, in various fashion. Yeah. Um I'm looking forward to now that the like, Giants have had we'll... a, a sniff of success getting back to talking absolute bullshit about them. Um yeah. not just because well, they that's... not 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 in a sense that they will become as bad as they were. I just mean it like, oh you're yeah. now able to make the playoffs. Now we can start laughing at them again. Yeah. Now you can now you can sit at the big boys table. Yeah. Yeah. That's like really the the NFL playoffs and this podcast are very similar because we both put Kirk Cousins, insert him into places he doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so then looking ahead at the uh, conference championship, got uh, 8 o'clock GMT on Sunday, 49ers at Eagles at the link. Um, Sam, just early indication who are you picking for that one? Um, I, probably the Eagles, but I'm, like, I, I don't know, man, <laughs> the, the Niners have, like, you can't look at, I don't think you can look at that Cowboys game and say, like, and that it should inform that much of, like, what you think about the Niners, because they are, they are better than that. And like Dallas is, it is a it's an elite defense. Like maybe a bit more concerning than than the Eagles. Like especially on the run. Like there is there is a a big chance that the Niners are going to run a hole through this Eagles defense. But I think I'd still probably take the Eagles. I. I don't. I don't want that loss to be for naught. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I'm. I'm inclined to agree. I feel like 
where you've just said that the 49ers could easily run a hole through the Eagles, I actually kind of feel the other way. I know that the <laughs> Niners have got a uh, probable well, yeah, defensive yeah. player of the year, Nick Bosa, on, on the other side. But I look at this Eagles team and just how good they are in, in the run, uh, just dissecting teams. They they don't need to throw for 150 yards. They run for 200. Um, and they'll do it, and they'll they'll wind you down. And just when you start thinking, okay, we can start playing the run, then Jalen Hurts will hit a 60-yard pass to Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown, and you're like, what do I do against this team? So I've got the Eagles winning, and I think the Niners have been very good coming along this way, but yeah. they struggled against the Cowboys, and I think that the Eagles are a better defense as a whole, especially lining up against this Niners team as it is. Yeah, this is... Well, actually, no, I was going to say it's, like, what the game I've been most excited about all season, but actually, yeah, probably... That is probably the case, seeing as Mahomes is on one leg. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a... It's going to be a good one. Yeah, um, and then 11.30 GMT. Uh, with, uh, actually, smart thinking for... For the Niners Eagles game to go on early and only be given a three and a half hour window because both teams <laughs> run the ball to fuck, so this game is going to be over in about yeah. two hours is fifteen it? minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then eleven thirty GMT, we have Bengals traveling to Arrowhead for the second year in a row, and can we expect anything different to what happened? last season Sam would you would you be willing to put the Chiefs in the Super Bowl or is it is it going orange and black for a second year running this is this has Bengals all over it the like I mean it'd be very, it'd be very funny to me if Mahomes didn't play and Chad Henney managed to orchestrate like a a classic playoff win <laughs> to send the Chiefs to the Super Bowl, but there is, there's just, I think it's just not in their favor. Like the the talent and the coaching, like for the Bengals, is so good, and obviously the coaching's there with the Chiefs. Obviously, they have a lot of talent, but in some important areas. They are not as talented. Yeah. yeah, the 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 Bills game just it is it has shown me everything that I I needed to see from like a Super Bowl winner. Okay. So do you think not that, the, that uh, do not you that think the league's gonna like at the just before the whistle at at, at the Super Bowl they're like Sam still hasn't let us know. <laughs> wonder if this is cool with him. Well, you have just let them know. Yeah. But by doing this show, unless you want to edit out your own your own take just to keep Roger Never. Goodell in limbo. Well, I would enjoy that, but something tells me Rog won't be on tenterhooks. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm actually... I'm going to just say the Chiefs just for intrigue purposes. We agreed on, on Eagles Niners, but I'm just going to pick the Chiefs. It doesn't mean anything for me. I've already won the jersey. I mean, so. Pat, Pat Mahomes, like, doing this on one leg would be... It'd be an all-time... I mean, he's already yeah. 
borderline Hall of Fame, but if he reaches the Super Bowl with one leg against maybe the best Bengals Bengals team that has ever been, like there hasn't been a better Bengals team, in my opinion. Yeah, Uh, against maybe the best team in in the NFL. Potentially. um, if if, If the Chiefs pull it off and Mahomes even just plays at an okay level like i'm not expecting him to go yeah. out there and throw just 350 yards on a on a high ankle sprain but if he plays all right and keeps the game clean and the chiefs end up winning the game then yeah i i i think that i'd be prepared to put patrick mahomes in the hall of fame immediately it's the sort of thing that like it's it's era defining will we we could be talking about like if the Chiefs win this game, we could be talking about, do you remember that time that Patrick Mahomes won the AFC Championship game with a high ankle sprain? Like, he basically was on one leg and he beat the best Bengals team that we've seen maybe ever. And he did it on a fucking injured leg. Like, it'd be one of those things that we'd be talking about for years and it'd be one of the first things that people mention in his in his like Hall of Fame ceremony, like the time that they w- reached the Super Bowl and maybe even won the Super Bowl while Mahomes had an injured leg, like I could just see it. It's one of those moments. Yeah. The NFL loves these moments. I love these moments. I'm picking the Chiefs. Can you? I oh, it would be very delicious for me. For like that to happen and for apparently everyone on Twitter who's so salty about the Chiefs apparently being like NFL darlings and getting all this like you know getting showered with praise constantly for the the adoration of Mahomes to be turned up to like 11. Oh god. Something like that happened. Yeah. It like I think, well, Cincinnati's heads would explode. Like, the entire city collectively. I think Chris Collinsworth would ejaculate in the booth, <laughs> by the way. Just just based off of, like... I mean, against the Jags, Mahomes threw a pass into the ground because he tried to pump fake and it slipped out of his hand. And, then... and Collinsworth was still like, oh, what a play! It's like, it's an incomplete pass that was nearly a fumble, Chris. Come on now. It's just all temporary yeah, expectations. It it's gonna be Romo and uh, and Nance on the call, right? It's uh, yeah, yeah. But Tony Romo is another one that just absolutely. I mean, he fucking yeah. loves Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it's like, oh god, just get a grip, everybody. Well, let, okay, firstly, yes, get a grip. But also, he is the most talented player to ever play the position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so. Maybe I'm just being harsh because I'm kind of sick of analysts doing the exact same thing and writing off teams that I you in like the 90s like halfway through Michael Jordan's like six championships like guys aren't we all taking this a little too seriously well I wouldn't I wouldn't be like that because one I'm a Bulls fan so if anything I'd just be I'd just be breathing it in and just be taking it in but no, like, I, I mean, I know what you're saying, but I feel like in the NBA, the the, the announcers and the commentary teams are nowhere near as irritating. 
Like, well, that's the they're hyped why... up about every team. They that's that's the thing. But Whereas in the NFL, you'll get really? Chris Collinsworth just fucking jizzing about Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and then in the next breath, like criticizing a perfectly thrown ball because it wasn't by Patrick Mahomes. Like, is it that doesn't happen that in other more... sports? Is that I mean, particularly basketball? Is that not more because it's such a like fast-paced game? Like, Maybe there's not like. I mean, there's always pre and post game stuff, but particularly like in the game. Like... But I feel like, I mean, it definitely does happen in 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 like European football as well. Um, yeah, like association football, it definitely happens because like everybody's created compilations of Martin Tyler, who I I think <laughs> is about ready to retire, but like I'll 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 never be prepared to let him get criticised because. He's, he's, he's the fucking best that Sky Sports have ever had. But they they are biased commentators. But oh, there's yeah. just something about, like, I think it's just the American factor, to be honest. I think it's just the fact that they're <laughs> Americans. And, and, and when Americans get, like, biased and, and irritating, it's up to a billion. Americans, when they're biased, are, are a billion times worse than anything that we have over here. Um. I yeah. I think it must just be that factor. Maybe they have a a, a terminal case of Yank syndrome. <laughs> okay. Um. All right then. In other news, before we wrap up, uh, the AP, the Associated Press, have um revealed their finalists across the board for the awards that are usually given out the week of the Super Bowl. I think it's like the day before, right? Or uh, the Friday of the weekend of the Super Bowl. Um, so the MVP, five names. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Justin Jefferson um, in the MVP conversation. I always feel like they have a token skill position player uh, just yeah. so that they can claim oh, the MVP is never about the quarterbacks and then a quarterback always wins the MVP regardless of what everybody else does in the league so this is Justin Jefferson is the token skill position player for the MVP uh, candidacy um, I would much rather they just outright say MVP is almost always going to be quarterbacks so we never yeah. put quarterbacks in the offensive player of the year candidacy because yeah. In Offensive Player of the Year, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. We all know who's going to win that because they're not, <laughs> they're not going to pick a quarterback for Offensive Player of the Year. So it's going to be Justin Jefferson. So congratulations, Justin Jefferson. You have won <laughs> Offensive Player of the Year. Um, and that is actually called by our resident Ed in our season preseason predictions. So good one, Ed. Nice work. You you got it, and you get a nice little win there of saying Justin Jefferson got MVP nomination. He didn't. Yeah, that's like, uh, he's just a token skill position player. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's like his own his own little Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all that he's ever wanted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who out of those names, by the way, like out of the MVP voting, uh, Burrow, Mahomes, Hits, Allen. Who are you saying would be your MVP right now? If the Associated uh, Press came up and was like Samuel Longdon of the <laughs> Stiff Upper Lip podcast, who is your MVP? Mahomes. Yeah, it's got to be. Like, right? it, it's got to be. Like, Burrow started off poorly. Uh, 
was injured for a bit, and that I think killed his chances. Josh Allen being there is laughable. I'd love to give it to J. Jeff, but uh, that ain't what this award's about. Yeah, so, yeah, Mahomes. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, defensive Player of the Year then: Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Chris Jones. Um, I assume that this is equally as open and shut, but I'm going to find out what you're saying. <laughs> um, out of respect for people that aren't racist, I'm not picking Nick Bosa. Oh, so yeah. Oh. <laughs> but if we're going off of who's the worst person, it's. It's Micah Parsons as the worst person and isn't, oh, as, isn't as good oh, of a player. I forgot about everything. You forgot about all of the all of the Micah Parsons. Uh, well, it looks like I'm picking Chris Jones for <laughs> defensive player of the year. Yeah, that's actually yeah. Why not? Chris Jones had a great year. He did. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna. I mean, it's I'm no... just I'm just gonna pick based off which player was better and oh, I'm gonna pick but he's, he's such a shithead I mean Nick Bosa is a shithead but well. this is this is purely to me like storied awards are like comeback player of the year and that's it yeah. everything else is is down to merit um, yeah because I mean if Aaron Rodgers while he was being an anti-vax wanker wins two <laughs> MVPs in a row, then it's. I mean, it's got. It's got to be, hasn't it? It's got to be Nick Bowser. Yeah, he played ridiculous. Michael Parsons started out hot, but I think since like November sixth has had like one point five sacks, like fourteen yeah. tackles. He basically just hasn't done anything for yeah the best part of two months. It'll yeah, it'll be Bowser. Yeah, um, coach of the year. Open and shut for you because it's going to be Ryan Dable. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think I'd probably give it to Dable as well. Um, yeah, he just. I mean, I I'd mean, definitely he... give it to Dable over Pedersen. I think, and then there's obviously the token Shanahan mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised that because it was originally five names and Sean McDermott and Nick Sirianni were both there. I'm very surprised that Nick Sirianni's yeah claim does... wasn't he, he had a better year than Kyle Shanahan. I know that he <laughs> like didn't have to look in the direction of like three different middling quarterbacks and like Kyle Shanahan's done a really good job with all three of them, but like. Before the season, did anybody have Jalen Hurts as an MVP? No, God no. The only reason why he is is because Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I'm glad this was an open and shut case on all counts. <laughs> um, offensive rookie of the year, then. Also, you know what? Both of these should be open and shut, and I hope they will anyway. Yeah. Offensive rookie. Brock Purdy played like eight games. Yes. Like, you know. Cool and only there. six of those were in the regular season, which is... I mean, yeah. they say that the Associated Press claims that playoffs record doesn't impact yeah. voting. It's all about the regular season. But then if but... if that was the case, then why is Brock Purdy in the final three? 
he played six regular season games. Yeah. It's it's dumb. But yeah, Kenneth Walker, he's had some really great like patches this year, but not consistent. Do you and know who? Towards I... the end of the year, tailed off. Do you know who I'm actually surprised didn't make the final three? Because I think he would have been a better shout for Rookie of the Year over Kenneth Walker and Brock Purdy. Chris Olave, who was dealing with his own quarterback issues, don't get me wrong, he had a really fucking good year. He made Andy Dalton look like a competent star at times. He dragged that team through so many games. Which yeah, that is that is disrespectful. Yeah, put some respect on Chris Olave's name yeah. for crying out loud. So we haven't mentioned him yet. So yes, this award has to go to Garrett Wilson. Yes, who had appalling quarterback play throughout the season. He was dealing <laughs> with uh, the Mormon Mahomes, and then he was dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> So for anyone that doesn't know Zach Wilson uh, is what I call the Mormon Mahomes, went to BYU. Um, then he was dealing with Mike White, and then he was dealing with Joe Flacco. And I'm pretty sure that he is the only reason as to why any of them had any offensive success at yeah. any point. He dragged them to a win in a game that we didn't mention and we will not mention again um, in week three, I believe it was. He dragged them kicking and screaming as best as he could through many games. Um, Him and, unfortunately, injured Brees Hall, uh, who had a great start to the year, but then tore his ACL. This one's for you, Brees. But yeah, the Jets have a great pair of rookies on their team, and Garrett Wilson is the best rookie this season in an offensive standpoint. It has to be. And if, if the AP... Vote Brock Purdy. I'd actually, I'd be okay with Kenneth Walker because he had a very good year for the Seahawks and at times gave Geno Smith the platform to to be yeah. accurate and and normal by having a very good rookie running season. Um, yeah. But if they give it to Brock Purdy, then just don't bother doing offensive rookie of the year. Don't if you have a rookie, just play them for four games and make sure that they're the best <laughs> four games ever. Because if Brock Purdy's winning it and Brees Hall isn't in the final four, like final three when they played the same amount of games and Brees Hall was better, then what's the point? What is actually the point? Yeah, It's a disgrace. But hopefully they do the right thing and give it to Garrett Wilson and hopefully they do the same thing on Defensive Rookie of the Year and give it to another J-E-T-E-G-E-T-G-E-T uh, and give it to Sauce Gardner who was... Already an all pro in his rookie season. Yeah. How does that happen? How uh, does how does um, how do the Jets keep doing this? By the way, how do they keep <laughs> drafting guys out of the ACC who they they basically shouldn't really have such a ridiculously high grade on, like because of the teams that they're playing for, and they come into the NFL and immediately become like the best lockdown corner yeah. in the league. It happened with Darrell Revis out of pit and it's happened again with Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati it just I don't understand how they do it but this is two different areas of Jets football and they've done it again with their quarterbacks he almost dragged them to the playoffs yeah yeah the the other like it's 
Hutch and Tariq Wallen. Who both had really good years. Like Hutch, really good. Hutch had like a down period of like six games in the middle yeah. of the season, but like he finished and started the season pretty strongly. The Lions lent on him at times on their on their defence to get them kicking and screaming on this ridiculous run of going like eight and one and almost yeah. making the playoffs or whatever. Um and Tariq Wallen, who I didn't expect to be anywhere near as, as polished coming out of college. Oh god! Man. Was well, what, what really good, round? but he's just a he's just an athletic monster. Yeah. What round did he go in? Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty late, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's have a let's have a little Luke see, shall I think we? He was fourth round. Um, I think he was the fourth round pick. Tariq Woolen, a uh, fifth round out of UTSA. Oh, I've shown my ass. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I mean to finish up on like the all rookie team and to be in the Pro Bowl and to be the in, the interceptions co leader in your in your rookie season is great. Um, and he didn't he wasn't anywhere near as bad in coverage as Trevon Diggs who had a bunch of interceptions. It's not yeah. like you see six interceptions and you think like oh is it just a Trayvon Diggs situation? No, it wasn't. Tariq Woolen yeah, actually locked guys up. He was really fucking good. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. It has to be sourced. It has to can be I, Can I stand on a soapbox for a second for Comeback Player of the Year? You can. You can absolutely do okay. that. First of all, let's quickly, because uh, I know where, you, where you're going to stand on this soapbox. So the ah, other, maybe not where you think. So the other two are Geno Smith and Christian McCaffrey. Um, but Sam, do you want to take it away for well, who you think okay. is comeback player of the year? Christian McCaffrey, great year. Like, you know, no one's taken that away from him. Saquon, great year. No one's taken that away from him. They've both been like real injections of talent and consistency for the most part where those teams needed them. However, if there's one thing that the AP loves, it's a player coming back, not from any adverse circumstances, but from just being bad. Oh, are you going for the Gino? Gino, this is all you. Oh! That's my prediction. Saquon oh. Barkley deserves it. Okay. But they, it'll just be Phil, Phil Rivers 2.0. I wasn't Who good. was it? Now, now I'm good. Am I, yeah, yeah. Why did Phil Rivers win Comeback Player of the Year? It's not like he came back from anything. <laughs> he wasn't even That's... bad when he when he yeah. finished his career with the Chargers. They just weren't a good overall team, but he was fine. Yeah. I, I that sticks in my head all the time from an ATN app where Greg's talking about like how it was stupid because. His comeback was going from being the 18th best quarterback in the league to being, like, the 14th best quarterback in the league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I get the principle of, like, if you're, if you're old and, and, and you've, you've been... You've had a down year and then you come back and you play all right, then, sure, it's impressive. It's not comeback player of the year, were they? <laughs> <laughs> like Alex Smith, it made I mean, perfect sense for him to win Comeback Player of the Year because he he almost yeah. died. Like if you come back from that and you play a game of NFL football ever again, then fucking fair play. That is a comeback yeah. and a half. Should, this should be the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year award. It should. It should have been renamed after him. Um, yeah. 
But, but you know, like, I would love Gino to get this reward. I really would. Like, the whole, like, thing at the start of the year, like, the it ripped me off. That didn't write back. Yeah. It's, it's, I just like it. And, like, you know, he's, he's played fucking great this year. Well, to be fair, like, I think I'd still, to be fair, out of all of the three, I agree with you in the fact that it should be Saquon Barkley because he played really bloody well and he'd come back from, like, two serious injuries. Um, But, like, I can see at least with Geno Smith why he's here because he... He was riding the bench, and even last year when he when he came in for Russell Wilson when he got yeah. mallet finger, he was he was really quite shit. Um, yeah, he was he, not he, good. At the he he was thirty three out of thirty two, in my opinion, for quarterbacks that played last season. He was dreadful. So to come in here and and have like the highest amount of passing yards and the highest pass completion percentage in Seahawks history for a single season is crazy good that's that is a very good season and Geno Smith has come back from adversity but Saquon (laughs) Barkley deserves it because he got injured and should maybe could have had his career ruined this was a contract year and he played like an all pro yeah so to summarise Saquon deserves it but Geno has overcome his own terrible play and I think he deserves recognition for that. Yeah, you can, you can, you can give recognition. To be fair, like I say, all all three of these guys should should really get recognition. Um, and you know who I think should also get recognition, Sam? I think you. Um, I think you should get recognition. You you never got your comeback player of the year or comeback podcast <laughs> host of the year after missing a whole damn year in uh, in our rookie season. Um, as we, Again, as, because of my own incompetence. Yeah, funnily enough, you are you are the Geno Smith of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. You can find us um, on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, all of that good stuff. You probably listen to us somewhere, so you know that we're available in the place that you're thinking. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at StiffLipPod. Thank you for listening. It's been a blast. And we hope to see you again for a Super Bowl preview.